the perfect family. Yeah, immediately you got thoughts. Immediately you have assumptions and feelings. And automatically, when you hear me say that, some of you want to lean into this and go, tell me more. There's others of you that are ready to check out and you're looking for a quick exit. So let me explain a little bit and clarify what we mean in this series by the word family. Because we understand and I understand and I think you would agree that in our culture today, people define family many, many different ways. People reuse the word family and refer to different groups of people as family and it's, it's not always the traditional family. You know, the husband, wife, mom, and dad, 2.5 kids, and a dog, and a cat that they wish they could get rid of. So, the cat part, not the 2.5 kids. <laughs> right, because in this series, if that's you, if that's you, great. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're joining us, and that certainly applies to you. But for some of you, the word family it means a little bit different. So, if you're a blended family situation, this is for you. If you're married, this is for you. If you're single, this is for you. Stay with me. If you're single again, this is for you. If you're parents, great. Glad you're here. If you're not parents, don't have kids. Fantastic. This is a series for you and your spouse. This is a series for you and your children. This is a series for you and your brothers, your sisters, your siblings, your parents, your grandparents, your cousins, your extended family. If you're dating this is for you. Because this series is about you and your friends, you and your neighbors, you and your coworkers, the people you're in group with, the people you go to church with. Yeah. Because the truth is, is that a lot of times people we refer to as family are not even people that are biologically connected to us. Right? Yeah, maybe you've had that experience. Um, people that you don't even share genetics with, your, your friends. You have friends, don't you? Some of you have friends and you say it, you're very open with this, they're like family to me. I've heard you say it, you've said it to me. You know what, my friends are my family. Because maybe your biological family, the people you share genetics with, maybe that's gone off the rails. For some of you, your family are the people at the office. Crazy as that may sound, right? You, you have built such a bond with the people that you work with. They are your family. And for many of you, the people you attend church with, and you've gotten to know here at the summit, are family to you. Did you know you're in good company? If you, if you define family different ways, because Jesus, Jesus also had a very atypical family situation. I mean, he really did. I mean, Joseph, his dad, wasn't really his biological dad. And, and Mary was his biological mom, but not like we know biological moms because it was the Holy Spirit of God that caused her, a virgin, to become pregnant with the Messiah, Jesus. Yeah. And, and Jesus wasn't married. And there's all these conspiracy things, you know, and things. I think Jesus, no, Jesus wasn't married. And Jesus referred to, get this, his friends as his brothers and sisters. He looked around and he said, you are my brothers. You are my sisters. Not, not even to mention the close relationship he had with his disciples. So basically this series, 
when we say the perfect family. This is a series about relationships. Any relationship you have with any other human being, all relationships you have with all other human beings, those you care about and those who care about you, those you love and those who love you, and even your enemies. We're going to touch on that because isn't it true? That even those we care about and those that care about us often play the role of enemy in our lives. And we're going to say a lot about that in this series as well. So that's what we mean by the word family, all relationships. I I probably need to touch on the word perfect too. Uh, There's a little bit of sarcasm there, right? The perfect family. Because regardless of what you see on Instagram, regardless of what you see on social media, There is no perfect family. We all got issues, right? So I am so glad you have brought your jacked up situation with you today (laughs) because you are sitting beside, behind, in front of, and around other people with just as jacked up situations. If we had the time and could pass the mic, you would leave here feeling great about your miserable family life. So glad you're here. You know, you and I tend to categorize our lives and, and not just people like me that are more type A and, and, and I, you know, maybe you're like that and I just think in lists. I mean, in, in outlines and lists and that's, I mean, very structured, organized. But, but all of us, even if you're not that kind of personality, all of us tend to want to categorize our lives. And, and that's not a bad thing. It can be very good for organizing your life and scheduling your life. But at the same time, it can create some pretty unrealistic situations unrealistic expectations and actually been misleading. Here's what I mean. Let me, let me put some stuff up on the screen to show you. We categorize our lives. We do. We say, okay, well, I got family. I got that category of my life. I got the people in my life, however you define family, how, whoever is family to you. I got those relationships. And then, and then I, got, I got work. I got, I got work. I got my job. I got my career. I got, I got business, right? And that's separate. That, that, that's different. And then, and then maybe there's a whole nother set of things, and, and I just put these here because there are other, maybe you're in school, so you got that, and you got your hobbies, or like, that's important, and that's separate from, you know, that's separate than work and, and, and family. And then you got friends, right? You got friends, you got family, but you got friends. All right, for some of you, those are not the same. And, and, and then, you know, even stuff like, random stuff like politics, right? He's like, okay, that's different. That's different. Politics, that's its own kind of category. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we probably should put this in here because we're all sitting in church and, you know, lightning. There's God, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I got God. I got God. I mean, I got him. But, but see, we, we categorize God and put him in a category. So we put all this stuff in categories and um, we compartmentalize our lives. And here's what we often do. We often like, these things are separate. These things are separate. They, they, they don't relate. And I don't mix family with work. Oh, I, 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 you know, career and business. I mean, business is business, right? And I don't, I don't work, I, you know, I don't mix politics with God. Whew, yeah, you know, religion. I mean, I got my Jesus stuff, and then I got, you know, how I vote and, you know, and what I feel like the society needs. I don't mix that stuff. And I, dirt, I certainly don't want to mix friends and, and family. And I keep all that separate. But here's the problem. That don't work. That don't work. These things blend. The edges of these things are very, very, very blurry. And I only need to give you one example so you'll know. Let's just take the, the work and the family and the family and the work thing, right? Well, I got, I got family and then I got work. 
I mean, come on. You know, you know this. We know this. What happens at home in your relationships with the people around you affects your work. You take it to work with you. You cannot be unaffected, unbothered, unwhatever by what's happening in the people's lives around you that you love and love you. At the same time, you bring work home. Whatever home looks like to you, you bring it home. If you have a bad day at work, it's not like, okay, well, I'm going to be unaffected by that now, and I'm going to go home. No, those lines blur. And, and here's something else that's really, really big. And it's the issue with this. It's, is that this right here, God, spirituality, a relationship with God, this is like the thing that affects all these other things. And so I think it, it, it's sad and, and almost comical to think that as human beings, even as Christians, we've created a category for God. Ain't he lucky? Right? We've created a spot for God. And so, Pastor, I got, I got my life prioritized, right? I, mean, I, I, I got God. I give him his slot one hour on the weekends. And, and in case anything goes bad, I know I can always call on him. And if things are going good, I'll just leave him be. But I got God. I got God. But then I got, I, I got God. But you got business, though. You see, I don't mix the two. I don't mix the religion and the business. Because sometimes in business, I got to do some shady things. You know what I'm saying? To close the deal. But then I'll come to church on, and I'm going to get my Jesus on on, on Sundays. But, but then, yeah, th this. The problem with that is, is that God is bigger, above, beyond, most important. Let's just say it like this. God is not a category in your life, but a context. The context for all your life. God is not a category. I mean, you thank you, thank you for you know thinking so much of God that you would give Him a slot in your all-important world. But the problem is, you can't fit God in a slot, a compartment, a category. You cannot because He is not a category. He is the context, and here's how I know. Here's how I know that God, whether you like it or not, admit it or not, understand it or not or one accepted or not, is the category, is the context, rather, of all of life. Here's how I know. Because your life started with God. It did, right? All life is a gift from God. Your life started because he allowed your life to start. And when your life ends and my life ends on this earth, we are told in no uncertain terms that we will give an account to God. So if your life starts with God and ends with God, that, my friends, is what you call a context. Everything that happens in the middle is affected by the context that, that everything started and ultimately ends with God. To be more specific for those of us who are Christians or followers of Jesus, it is the way of Jesus, and that's how we have come to know and understand God God sent Jesus to communicate to the world who he is and what he's all about. So the way of Jesus is our starting point and our guide and our ending point. In other words, he is the center, the nucleus of our lives, and it affects everything else in our lives. 
The way of Jesus is not a compartment. It is the context. It's not a category that you do on Sundays or just when life is falling apart or just when you need something or just, you know, at the wedding or at the funeral. No, 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 no. This is, the sooner we understand that God is the context, that the way of Jesus is the context, and it affects everything else. He said, I thought this was a series on the family. It is. We'll get there. I'm just trying to, I'm giving you a context. So important. The way of Jesus affects everything. Now, living in the way of Jesus is not just about, you know, listening to Caleb all day long and go around quoting Bible verses all day long. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But following Jesus affects everything. 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 The late co-founder of Apple, and most of us have interacted with Apple products, I would say there's probably a chance that the majority of us own an Apple product. Steve Jobs said this. It's fascinating. It's so good. Focus and simplicity. Focus and simplicity. Once you get there, you can move mountains. Now, simple can be harder than complex. It's a big statement right there. And we'll, we'll talk about some of that in this series. Simple can be harder than complex. So you've got to work hard to simplify your focus. It takes a lot of hard work. Simple focus. Simple focus. That's what I'm getting to when I help us understand that the simple focus of life is that God is our context. Not easy. This is not easy. <laughs> simple is harder than complex. But the simple focus of everything in life should be the way of Jesus. Which means every one of your relationships, your family, has a God context. Whether you like it or not, admit it or not, or fully understand it or not, everything in your life, including all of your relationships, including your family, and however you want to define that, has to be seen in the light and the context with this simple focus, the way of Jesus. Or let me say it like this. The best hope for a healthy, meaningful family, okay, think simple focus, simple focus, is to center those relationships on the way of Jesus. I want you to think about your family right now. I want you to think about however you define family and whoever you consider family and whoever not, and basically all the relationships in your life and understand that the best hope, the best hope, the best shot you have for a healthy, meaningful relationship with those people in your life is to center those relationships on the way of Jesus. Because that's the context. Not a category, not a compartment, but it is the context for everything else. To center your relationships on the way of Jesus. Not culture, not a schedule, not the opinions of other people, even other family member or, or, or whatever, or, or especially not yourself. Now, I know at this point, some of you are going, yeah, you're so naive. Because, Pastor, you need to understand that I actually know some great families and great people who have great relationships in their life, and they're great families. They have great marriages, a great relationship with their kids, great sibling relationships, and great friendships. Yeah, I know some people who have great family dynamics, and they're not followers of Jesus. So what about that, huh? 
You're saying that the best hope for a healthy, meaningful family relationship is to center that in the way of Jesus. But what about the people? And maybe you, maybe you would look at your family and say, we're a very healthy family, and I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm just here because I lost a bet. We're so glad you're here. Sorry you lost a bet. What about families that have great relationships with each other, but they're not followers of Jesus? I know people like that. You know what? I do too. I know a lot of people like that, but here's the deal. Chances are, if you do a deep dive into those families and what makes their families so great, you know what you're going to discover? (laughs) That they're already putting into practice the things that Jesus started and that Jesus came to teach anyway. Chances are, they have a great relationship with each other because they love each other. Where do you think love comes from? God is love. Chances are they show kindness to each other and they're patient with each other and they show grace to one another and I bet they're honest with each other and they're merciful to each other and I bet, I guarantee you, if they have healthy relationships with each other, they're really good at forgiving each other and giving each other a a second chance and another opportunity. Wouldn't you agree? Well, Well, yeah, well, guess what? That's what Jesus came to do. That's what Jesus started. That's what Jesus came to teach. So we're back to Jesus now. No, there's no perfect family, but the best shot your family has, the best hope you got for a healthy, meaningful relationship is to start with the way of Jesus and come back to the way of Jesus every single part of your relationship. So I'm gonna gonna ask you two questions. I'm gonna ask you one now, and then I'm gonna ask you one that's a little bit more challenging even than this first one and the the first one's challenging enough okay two questions we spend the rest of our time wrestling with first question so since God is the context for everything not a category not a compartment and, and and so that your relationships all of your relationships are affected by a God context and you have to look to him ultimately it just keeps the context then ask yourself How does God, or specifically for those of you who call yourself followers of Jesus, how does following Jesus affect my relationship with, with who? You put anybody's name in that blank you want to put in that blank. How does my hmm, relationship with them affected by the context of the way of Jesus, the context of God. Insert anybody's name. In fact, insert every person's name in your family and in your life. And it would be good exercise just to kind of go person to person to person. How does God, the context of the fact that God is the context of all life and the context of my life, whether or not I'm living like it, how does that affect my relationship with my spouse, with my kids, with my parents, with my siblings, with my friends, with my coworkers, anybody that's like family to you, even your enemies? How does God affect my relationship with them because it does, because he does. He's the context of all of it, whether you like it or not, realize it or not, or understand it fully or not. The way of Jesus is the context, and it is to inform our relationships with each other and to educate and guide our relationships with each other and empower our relationships with each other. 
Let me give you a little bit more specific on this. In the first century, the Apostle Paul was writing to a group of Christians in the city of Ephesus. And, and he told them something that was just so, so clarifying. And, and one of the things I love about um, the, the scriptures, especially the New Testament, is, is, how, is how these things are not just like, oh, that, that really worked for them way back then. No, no, these principles are timeless. These timeless and work just as much today as they did way back then. So I want you to think about your family. I want you to think about your marriage, your kids, your friendships, your, your dating relationships. I want you to think about those people as we read these next words. Because really, there's a God context, not a category. The way of Jesus affects your relationship with them. And here's what, this just illustrates this. Here's what Paul writes. To them, to us, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Imitate God in everything. Imitate God in everything. How's that for clarity? Here's what you and I should do. Imitate God in everything. In our family relationships. So that's not what it says. Well, that's part of everything, ain't it? I mean, everything leaves out nothing. Imitate God. What does it look like? What does it look like to imitate God in my marriage, with my kids, with my friendships, with my coworkers? What does it look like to imitate God? That's a great question because that's a big one, right? Why should we imitate God in everything? Because he's the context of everything. Not a compartment, not a slot, not like, well, I got money over here and then I got God over here. I got politics over here and I got God over here. No, no, that, that just doesn't work. Never meant to be that way because it's not that way. What does it look like to imitate God in everything? I'm so glad you asked because Paul tells us. Here's what it looks like to imitate God. To live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. This is what it looks like. To live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. I mean, we could just stop right there and you talk about a phrase. Wow, just a phrase. I mean, you might want to just take a picture of that right there. Just, I mean, I don't know if you have tattoos or you're looking for a tattoo, but if you're looking for a tattoo, it's a little long, a little long, right? It's going to hurt. That's going to take a while. But live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. Hey, you want a mission statement for your life? You want a purpose statement for your life? There you go. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. Okay, okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm in, that sounds good. Live a life filled with love. Live a life filled with love. And so you and I are tempted then to go, all right, okay. But see, the funny thing about love is <laughs> it's so common and we use the word so often and it's so just like, everybody talks about love, you know, love, love, love. It's almost become bland. It's almost become like so common, we, it's lost its meaning. And, and, and here's the kicker. And everybody seems to have their own definition for what love is. Look in culture, right? When people say, why don't you just love me? That means different things to different people. So aren't we glad God just didn't leave that up for the taking? Aren't we glad that God just didn't say love each other and never define what he means by living a life filled with love following the example of Christ? You want to know what love is? You want me to show you? Jesus. That's what Paul says. He loved us. 
offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. In other words, God looked at how Jesus loved the world and went, that's it, that's it, that's it. You see, in our culture, when people say, hey, I, 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 want, I want to love, there's all kinds of selfish tags, selfish threads and strings attached to that, the way I want to be loved, the way I need love, the way I interpret love. So God just clarified it. He didn't leave it up for debate, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Here's what it means to imitate God. You want to imitate God? Then live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Well, what's the example of Christ? How did Jesus love? He offered himself. He sacrificed himself. He laid his life down for us. That's what love is. That's what love is is when you offer yourself, you give yourself, you lay your life down for each other in so many ways. And that's how you imitate God, by living a life filled with that, following the example of Jesus. Now, just for a moment, I want you to imagine if your family relationship dynamic was categorized by that kind of love. I want you to imagine just for a moment if your marriage was categorized by Jesus' kind of love and you were offering yourself to one another and giving yourself to one another and sacrificing yourself for one another and laying your life down in your way and your will and what you want and what you think and what you need and all those things, laying that down. Well, what about me? What about me? We'll get to you. Hang in there. It's going to be a long series. Imagine what your family dynamic would look like if parents, you were doing that for your children and children were taught to do that for each other and, and children did that back to their parents and friends. What would friendships be like if friends did this for one another? You, no you, no you, no you. And people that work together did this. You, no you, no you. And imagine what would happen to our enemies if we treated them like this. You know what? I got a hunch. We would lose some enemies. A lot of our enemies will become brothers and sisters. Yeah. Imagine what it would be like. And I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, I'm trying. I'm trying. I agree. I'm trying. But they, but they, but he, but she, but, but you don't understand who I'm married to. You don't understand who's in my family. You don't understand my friends. You don't understand who I work with. You don't understand my neighbors. You don't understand. Oh, 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 oh time out, time out. Are you doing your part? You focus on doing your part. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ, laying your life down, offering yourself, giving yourself to others. Let's remember Summit Church. And if you're new to the Summit, this may be the first time you hear it, but if you hang around here very long, this won't be the last time. We talk about this over and over and over again. It is who we are as a church. It is why we exist as a church. When Jesus said to us, I want you to love as I have loved you. Pretty clear. That's why around here, you'll see it everywhere. You'll see it shirts and everything. Love first, love first. That's how we communicate. But here, church, Summit Church, Summit Family, I want you to listen very carefully. I want to remind you of something. This right here is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not just an idea. Hey, you might want to try this. This might help. Hey, 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 this might spice things up a bit. No, 
This is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a requirement. You do this for people who are easy to do that with, easy to love, and people who are hard to do that with, who are hard to love. You got people in your family that are easy to love? Sure you do. You're one of them. So you think. But I know you got people in your family that are hard to love. Keep your elbows to yourself. Don't throw one. Yeah. It's a command. To love is I have loved you. Did you know that each attribute of a great family, each attribute of a great family, really comes back to love. Kindness, patience, forgiveness, serving, grace, giving, encouraging, all of that stuff is a part of love. And that's why if your family is going to be truly great, you're going to be living out this. Even if you don't call yourselves followers of Jesus, which by the way, I just got to say, if that's you, why don't you just go ahead and follow Jesus? I mean, if you got a great family... You're doing that stuff anyway. Might as well just follow the one that created all of that and follow the one that started all of that and follow the one who perfected that and just said, watch me do what I do. And you'll have a great family relational dynamic. No, not perfect, not perfect, but the best it can be, the greatest hope you have at a great family relationship. Not a perfect one, but a great one is with a simple focus. And that is with God as the context for all of it, the way of Jesus for all of it. And so I want to leave you with the second question. The, probably even the more pointed one, the more convicting one, and I did not come up with this question. I have shared this question with you before in recent series. It's one of the best questions I've ever heard first person I ever heard asked this question was Pastor Andy Stanley. Every time I, I really sit with this question, it kicks my butt and challenges me. So you're welcome. So what does love require of me? What is living a life filled with love, following the example of Jesus, that offering and giving of oneself, what does that require of me. Hey, you love your spouse? Great. What does love require of you? You love your kids? What does love require of you? You love your family? You love your siblings? You love your parents? You love your friends? You love your coworkers? You love the people you go to church with? You love them? What does love require? You talk about simple focus. You talk about a simple clarity. Sit with that question. I, I hope it haunts us in the best kind of way. I hope it teaches us and challenges us. What is love? It's a command. It's a command. Love is a command. So what does it require of you? And some of you right now, maybe a lot of you right now, are having this thought. Well, I love them, but. I love them, but I can't. I love them, but I just won't. I love them, but let me just, I, I understand I don't know your situation, but let me caution you right there. 
And if you're having that, that statement roll around in your noggin, I want you to pause and step back and be really, really, really careful not to give yourself an out for what Jesus has called you into. Be careful. I love them, but. Oh, listen, nobody had more buts than Jesus did. I love them, but. but look how they live. I love them, but. You see her, I love them, but. They're so unfaithful. I love them, but. They didn't go to church. I love them, but. And they don't. And I love them, but. Look at and I, and mm, No buts. What does love require? It's a choice. It's a choice. If you're a follower of Jesus, case closed. And even if you're not yet, don't you want a great family? Don't you want a great marriage? Don't you want meaningful, healthy relationships with the people around you? Then let's together do what love requires of us in every single moment of every single day. And I don't always get it right, and you're not always going to get it right, and we're not always going to get this right, and we'll talk about what happens when we don't get this right in this series. We're going there. But let's just start here. What does love require? What does it look like to live a life with love, following the example of Jesus? He is the context, the context for all things, especially our relationships. It won't be perfect. The best shot at making it great is the way of Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for making it clear, simple focus, the way of Jesus. You are our context. Father, forgive us for shoving you or trying to shove you into a compartment or a category, a box to check, a slot to fill, a thing on the to-do list. You are the list. You are the thing. You are life. It all begins with you and it's all gonna end with you. You are our context, which means our relationships answer to you. For those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, this should be a no-brainer, but we miss it over and over again. I miss it time and time again. So may I come back, may we come back to living a life filled with love and learn what it means to live a life filled with love following the example of Jesus, what love requires of us. May we just do it. No more excuses, no more buts, just do it. And for those that are not following you yet, may they receive the love of Jesus so they can share it with each other. In Jesus' name, amen.